The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the first chapter. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her public, to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Lord, look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had bore a son. And he named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. I gave you all homework last week. Do you remember what it was? Uh. No. No? That's okay. It's been a long school year so far, hasn't it? Even if we're not in school, it's been a long school. You're supposed to look for something. You're supposed to look for where you, with your eyes, exactly, where you see God in the world. Where you see people being like Jesus would be in the world. Now, since we all were a little sleepy and tired, I want us to take a little bit. I want you to imagine someone that you saw over the last week. It could be your mom or dad. It could be a brother or sister. It could be someone at school. It could be a grandparent. It could be someone you don't even know that you saw in the grocery store. I want you to think of somebody that was acting like Jesus would act. All right? Now, I'm going to count in my head. I'm going to give you a little bit of time, okay? So you can think about this. Someone who, Jesus, who's someone who is acting like Jesus. Ready? Think quietly for a little bit. Go. All right. Any ideas? Ava. You're Mimi. Very nice. Yeah? I saw someone drop something and then somebody else picked it up and gave it to them. So helpfulness. Just plain old helpfulness, right? Yeah. Um, Dad. Dad. Yeah. There you go. Anybody else? 
Dan has a question. No? Okay. Anybody else remember seeing somebody that they like Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, when you see a flower and you pick it up and give it to somebody else, that's a beautiful thing. It makes them feel good, doesn't it? Yeah. Jesus, do you guys know what a disciple is? A disciple is someone who follows Jesus, and it doesn't have to be literally Jesus. It can be, you know, tries to be like Jesus. Someone who tries to be like Jesus and makes it their whole life's mission to act like Jesus would act. That's a disciple. And Matthew, the gospel, oh, just a little bit. Matthew tells us that there's two, two things, two things that a disciple does. A disciple hears what Jesus is talking about or sees what Jesus is talking about. Hears and sees. Can you point to your ears? Can you point to your eyes? Hears and sees what Jesus is talking about. And then does it. So, you just told me that you could see with your eyes and hear with your ears someone who does what Jesus does. Now, what's the second part of being a disciple? Doing it, right? So I want you to take the ideas that you had, whether it was what your Mimi was doing, or whether it was picking up something, or whether, remember Clayton when you said give a flower? I want you to take those things and try to do them yourself. Do you think you could? Because those things seem easy, right? Kind of easy, kind of hard. I made a balloon. Budget, I bet you could do that. Look, see? I mean, I made a giraffe. Who wants it? Anybody? I want, I want you to hear and listen for where you see Jesus in the world. I want you to do those things too. We're so creative today. You can tell we're close to Christmas. Mrs. So. You have to pop that bubble. What is it? You have to pop it. Clayton, do you think you could give some of them a flower today? Or next week? I made a T-Rex. I made a T-Rex with its teeth. You guys are sharing joy with me, so at least that's good. <laughs> at least that's good. Look at it. You can guess. When in doubt, when everything is just all over the place, you know what's a good thing to do? pray. It's a good thing to pray. Let's pray right now. I need a snail. It's a good one. Should we pray? God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks because there's good people in our lives that show us what Jesus is like. And we ask that as they teach us those things, as they teach us to help someone who drops something, as they teach us to give out flowers, as they teach us to be good people, we ask that you would help us to do those things too. That we would hear and see who you are, and that we would practice it, that we would do it. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for incredibly good imaginations. And thank you for making us your people. In your name we pray. Amen. Pop the bubble. It's you. Oh, man. Oh, help him pass out. That's a good thing. Here we go. Yeah, that's what we got. Nice. That's a good one. You're welcome. Thank you.
In the name of Jesus, amen. In the beginning of Advent, we tried to do something with the clock. Listen to that clock tick as a way of experiencing the waiting and the longing that we have in Advent. The second week, all the leaders showed up late, tardy, intentionally. Because in Advent, there is a time of waiting and a time of longing. And not one that's always comfortable to us, right? Because I heard from a lot of you, I heard from a ton of you, that you were getting antsy, you are getting, you are just kind of getting ready. You were like, why aren't they here yet? They should be here. I'm just going to go start the service without them. You know, that kind of thing. That was good. Because our waiting and our longing, in theory, is nice. But when it's something that you actually want, when it's something that you actually need, it's kind of grating, that waiting. On the third Sunday, we had our artist-in-residence artist with us, Bob Ross, who slowly painted and definitely distracted us throughout the course of the service, showing us that these things can be both beautiful, seemingly e easy, and in their practice, incredibly difficult. And on the fourth Sunday of Advent, we sit in relative darkness. Not because we're mourning, though we may be, not because we're waiting for anything specific, but we might be. But because Advent is a time where the light is near, yet very, very far. Already here, but not quite totally present. And the text for today, unlike Luke's Gospel, the birth narrative, the story of how Jesus was born, focuses on Joseph and not quite Mary. Joseph is a primary character in the gospel. Joseph wants to do a couple things when the gospel of Matthew begins. He wants to establish that Jesus is definitely in the line of David. Jesus is a part of God's covenant with Israel. Jesus is directly tied to it. And Matthew wants to establish that Joseph and Mary are disciples. Joseph and Mary are disciples. Now, the way that we know that is how Jesus defines disciples. This is my Bible for today. The way that we know that is Jesus, Jesus and Mary, Joseph and Mary, and Jesus, but Joseph and Mary are disciples in that they do exactly how or exactly what Jesus says a disciple will do. In the Sermon on the Mount, in the 5th, 6th, 7th chapters of Matthew, when Jesus is up and proclaiming kind of his thesis, he says this at the end of his sermon, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew against that house and with a great crash, it fell. There's two things that a disciple of Christ does 
and Matthew. Two foundational things. Hears the words and practices them. Hears the words of Christ and practices them. Joseph. He was a righteous man, but he was also a merciful man. And so when he found that his soon-to-be wife was with child and they were not living together or having any marital relations whatsoever, he decided to dismiss her quietly. But at that time, an angel appeared in a dream to him and said, don't do that. It's okay to keep Mary and to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Joseph hears the call and practices it. Much like Abraham, we don't have a whole lot of internal dialogue for Joseph after the calling. He hears it and he goes. That's what we do. In Matthew and throughout the world, that's what we do as disciples. We hear the words and we practice. Last week you had also an assignment. And just in case, because it's a busy time of year, you forgot what the assignment was. The assignment was to go out into your everyday communities and to look for the presence, look for the working of Christ in our very midst. Not to necessarily look somewhere else in the world, though God is there. And not necessarily to look for some other time or place that has existed before us, though God was there too. But to look at our communities, to look at our places, to look at our lives. Because God is here. And so I want to give you a little bit of time right now. Take those places or things that you might have thought about during the week, but if you're doing the homework now, that's good too. Take those places and times this week in our communities, in our midst, that you have seen the presence, the action, the kingdom of God. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to hold those in your mind. Ready? Go. As you slowly come back, I invite you to share in a non-rhetorical way some of those places that you saw God. Where did you see God? Where did you see Christ in our community? Dick Price picks me up and takes me in right Passes car all these transportation where I couldn't go. Yeah. People who care for us. Not just a phone call, though a phone call is good, but people who come to our house and care for us when we need it. Yes. Where else have we seen? Yeah. Dedication. 
to that calling, dedication to that caring, to that ministry. Where else? Yeah. Yeah. It's a definite chunk of you when you consider your finance and then to give it to someone else intentionally. Nurses caring for the needs of patients going out of their way to care for the needs of patients. Yeah. Nurses being that presence instead of just a medical <coughs> job, but a presence for those who are most in need. Yeah. Gentleman helped somebody who was overburdened with packages, a small child, just got out of his car and walked over and helped him. Yeah. And what was Wednesday when we had that really windy day? I mean, way too much on his hands, and the fellow just stepped right over to him and helped Yeah. Yeah. A point in life that seems normal but overwhelming, and you disrupt your own to step in. Yeah. 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 Family reunited and that connection being there and being intensified. Yeah. Firemen and EMS people. Yeah. Firemen and the EMS people. And I know, like you, we're very aware of the siren that goes off every time they go out. And I tell you what, like, I would much rather have that siren and the dedicated people who work here than not. Yeah, yeah. Or children can notoriously be good and mean all at the same time. <laughs> that somehow in our midst, grace and togetherness has been born. Yeah. Ray Coon, when I see him carrying tools to fix bathroom doors and oh, yeah. things aren't frozen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the signs just don't appear by themselves. I mean, it's an incredible dedication that so many of our congregation members have to the workings of our ministry here together. Yeah. Um, teachers that are crazy enough to go into buildings with 1,200 teenagers and try to oh, get them what they need to go. Yeah, yeah. In a place in society where, for some reason, we don't learn these things, as often as we might, of how to behave civilly, for folks that still wade into the midst of so many of those folks and want to teach them, want to help them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I would second that. Tim Coon putting stuff and a skin material around cleaning the pavements. Yeah. Yeah. When the rain doesn't take the ice away like we thought it would. People who show up.
In a place where you've tried to instill faith for your whole life, all of a sudden it brings faith back to you and it preaches to you like you never thought before. For me, like Jan, I've, I've spent a lot of time in hospitals lately, not because of my own personal needs, but because of the needs of the folks that we serve here together. The folks who are us. And when I see families gathering together for times when they haven't been together for an extended number of years, when I see nurses doing work that's way above and beyond what they are required to do, when I see doctors who care enough to call and check up when it's not their job to do so, when I see incredible gifts of ministry that are given outside what my hands hold, which is bread and wine, I see the incredible presence of God in our midst. It doesn't mean that the person gets better every time and it doesn't mean that everything's solved, but it means that our loneliness doesn't have to be there as much as it was before. It means that as we sit in our darkness, that light can actually be born still today. What a disciple does is hear the call, hear the words of Christ, and practice it. Practice it with their own two hands, with their body, with what they have. After the Beatitudes, there's a text. Part of the text. Also the Sermon on the Mount. Also Jesus and Matthew's Gospel. Where the disciples, you, me, Jesus describes us as two things. A city on a hill and a light. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel. No, rather, they do not hide the light. God was born among us in our Advent, and God is still among us. But when there is light to be brought into this world, quite often God will light it in you and in me. Not solely and not alone. But I see in our congregation and in our community, light being lit. We may wait in the darkness, but there's a light and the darkness has not overcome it. Like the people you've described to me, hear the call of Jesus and practice it. Thanks be to God for Christ's advent among us. Thanks be to God for these generous gifts that we have witnessed throughout our community. And may we practice these things too. Amen.